I feel like anytime we can make it about student learning and kind of that's like the core of it, it really takes care of the rest. And so, I don't know, I feel like we have a lot of professional relationships in the building and just knowing that we're all wanting to get better and we want students to have the best experience they can have. Um, if that's the core of it, I feel like the rest kind of takes care of itself. Hi, I'm Diane Sweeney, and I'm the author of The Essential Guide for Student-Centered Coaching and our newest book, Moves for Launching a New Year of Student-Centered Coaching. And I'm Brandon Lewis, an innovation and learning coach in Liberty, Missouri. And this is Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, where we sit down with coaches and teachers to explore how they are supporting student learning. Our hope is that through sharing these stories, we can all grow together. to introduce you to Benjamin Satterwhite, who is a teacher in the Boise School District. And Benjamin is the director of the Julius Jecker Planetarium, which serves uh, elementary, middle, and high school students, and was just featured as one of Boise's innovative educators, which is not a surprise whatsoever. Benjamin teaches AP Physics. He also teaches astronomy and um, is halftime busy at the at the um, planetarium bringing in students to learn all kinds of things about um, astronomy and so I got to meet Benjamin when he was working um, it was an end of coaching cycle conversation with his learning coach Brett Twist and they you guys were talking about just the experience of the coaching cycle and what was learned and I was just curious if you would share with our listeners a little bit about your experience being in an AP physics focused coaching cycle and just kind of how it benefited you or what you learned or anything you think would be worth sharing, Benjamin. Uh, absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me on, Diane. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the conversation. Um, so uh, I guess a little bit of background overall is just thinking about, um, I, I do have a background in physics um, and I had taught uh, the AP physics calculus courses as well as some con conceptual courses earlier in my career, uh, two or three years ago uh, to some really uh, fun students. Um, but now I was coming back to AP physics one. Uh, and while I did have this really strong background, um, it, it was really clear that uh, entering into a coaching cycle uh, specifically with somebody like Brett Twist, uh, who, who's a, a very uh, a capable, capable coach, uh, thoughtful person, um, what was really helpful. Um, and, and I think one thing that's really important within that, especially if you're teaching uh, these higher level courses, is this idea of intentionality. Um, and so when you teach something, um, especially when you have complex subjects, uh, you're working with wide ranges of skills within your students, uh, you need to be really intentional about how you bring content in, especially if you've got uh, timing, scheduling constraints. Um, and, and I think an AP physics course with the AP test deadlines is, is one of those realms. Um, so it, it seemed very apt to have, uh, at the very least, uh, a, a time with a thinking partner uh, to be able to build this idea of intentionality. Um, and so uh, within that, um, I think it's important for anybody to recognize uh, that there, there's always this room for growth. Um, we're often talking to our students about having a growth mindset, and, and we'll get angry 
uh, when we talk to students who don't think that they can do something or learn something, but then as teachers, we often don't turn that around uh, and, and try to look at a growth mindset for ourselves and this idea of, of being able to, to do better. So, so having a thinking partner allows you for those avenues of growth and, and shows you places where you can be more intentional uh, in your content delivery. Uh, and that, that I think was the main impetus or, or the main uh, catalyst for, for getting this thinking partner. Um, and, and so within that, uh, it, it seemed like a natural fit, especially with returning to the, the AP physics realm. You're really naming modeling being a learner for your students who we all want to come to school as ready to learn and with that growth mindset, but you taking that on yourself as an educator probably impacts them in more ways than even you realize, I think. How did you know kind of the impact at the end of the coaching cycle? Because I know you love data. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think that, well, certainly if you're in the science realm, um, it, it's important to show students, and, and they're interested uh, in seeing their own growth, um, but also seeing how data, graphs, uh, statistics can, can add uh, to, to this overall picture uh, of, of the educational environment. So uh, we're teaching kids about reading graphs uh, in a science perspective, uh, but then to, to be able to take that data uh, discuss how you manipulated the data, how you were looking at the data, what did it mean, uh, and then a, a kind of applying this to a personal growth realm, uh, it, I think is rather powerful. Um, we, we did, uh, we, we focused primarily on a pre and post test idea, which I, I think sometimes can not necessarily be redundant isn't the right word, but I think oftentimes people don't find the value in it because you do a pretest and a surprise, uh, your students don't know anything. Uh, and then you follow up with the post test. And uh, of course, a month later, uh, you've given them all this content. Uh, surely they have grown a little bit. Um, and I think uh, being able to truly look at the data, uh, being able to uh, analyze uh, where your intentionality is and where that growth occurs uh, is, is where you really find the value in those things. So. So I, I think that was one thing that was really clear was um, not only were my students interested in why we were taking these non-graded pre-test, post-tests, uh, but they were pretty hungry to be able to recognize, uh, and even just after they took it, just asking them, you know, like, hey, how did you feel about this next time around? So yeah, I, I'm reading uh, more into the questions. I'm, I'm understanding uh, what, should be, what should be available to us as far as content knowledge. Um, and, and I think they enjoy that. And I think that's a, a powerful aspect overall of trying to build a growth mindset. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time trying to convince students that they can do things, uh, but then when they actually do them, how often do we go back and show them that full cycle? Um, and so that's, that's one thing that's really nice when you have an actual uh, thinking partnership, uh, this coaching cycle. So I, I think that growth aspect of things is something that students really like to see. Um, and especially in a science realm, uh, if you've got high achieving students or, or even students that aren't as high achieving, um, those incremental steps can be really powerful because it lays a foundation uh, for them to, to be a little bit more open to learning in the future uh, and to that growth in the future. That's just taken this idea of the pre and the post test within a coaching cycle to new levels, um, a more profound place because oftentimes we think about the pre and post as checking a box just to show growth of all the adult things that the adults did, 
but you're talking about bringing it into students' lives as they are contemplating their, how they're entering into this, whatever the content is or whatever it is they're, they're looking to learn. And then that connection with them is motivating, you're saying, because they want to see their own growth and they want to be a part of that conversation. And it's so cool that you brought up this common perception with pre and post assessments that of course they're going to just grow because is it worth our time to do this? Because it, what does it really teach us? But you're saying we actually use it with students ungraded, but to kind of help frame their path as learners and, and how they enter into that work. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think to kind of sum it up, I mean, what, what you're really able to do when you have the data there for them to look at uh, and you're being very explicit and open uh, with what your strategies are, uh, is you're taking them from this passive uh, realm uh, uh, where you're, you're hoping they see their growth uh, to uh, an active participant. Um, and, and you can actually describe to them, you know, I, I think they were interested in some regards of looking at not only the data itself, so they could look at their own individual growth, but also um, looking at the anomalies within it. Um, and we could talk about things like, okay, cool, you, you started out really strong, uh, and in some cases, maybe we didn't see the growth that we were looking for, but let's dive deeper into that and reflect on uh, what else has been going on in your life. Um, and so this allows, I think, students to, to not only see that growth uh, academically makes them an active participant, an active agent. You know, it's really giving them agency in their, their own learning, uh, but it's also giving them an opportunity to reflect on the holistic aspect. Um, you know, we've got a lot of students, especially now, they're doing a lot of different stuff. They're in sports, they're doing jobs, um, they're in a lot of extracurricular activities. Uh, and when you can look at that growth uh, more objectively, uh, rather than just the negatives and positives of a final grade, uh, it, it becomes a, a more uh, interactive uh, providing agency to those students to know, okay, I can see where my growth is, I can see where I'm controlling my growth. Um, and, and while the pre-test, post-test seems rather mundane, uh, it provides these benchmarks uh, that are really easily and readily available for them to see. Uh, and then you couple it with the data and, and it provides them a whole more holistic uh, approach to their own education, which is what we want, right? That's, that's what you want them to be doing uh, when, they, when they reach, even if they don't go to college, uh, they need to recognize, well, if you become a tradesperson, there's still this idea of growth and learning uh, that, that you need to be able to pursue and, and be able to see. So, uh, Well, we can all see and hear why you're an innovative educator, but also just how you're thinking in a way that is always about your students first and their learning and truly partnering with them um, as a facilitator of learning. So we are so grateful to have gotten to hear from you, Benjamin, and we can't wait to listen to the rest of the podcast where we get to hear from Brett about his coaching work. And thanks. Have a great rest of the year. Yeah. And thanks to you, Diane. And a special thanks to Brett Twist. Um, you know, I, I don't think the podcast is actually going to display all that Brett does in the background uh, here in Boise, Idaho and in the capital community. So we're super fortunate to have him. Um, and so a big shout out to him and, and the hard work he's been doing long before he became a coach. So, yes, I can. Yes, that is evident. Yeah. yeah, yeah Thanks, absolutely. Benjamin. We yeah, appreciate thank you so it. much, Diane. I appreciate it.
In today's podcast, we get to hear from Brett Twist, who is a high school learning coach in the Boise Public Schools. And Brett and I have been working together now since the beginning of this school year as Boise Public Schools hired 50 brand new learning coaches. And that's one for every school in the district. And I've had a chance to spend some time with Brett at his, at his high school and in a coaching lab and also in lots of professional learning sessions. And I just have to tell one funny story about Brett before we get started with it, with the interview. And that's when I was leaving Capitol High School, just, just last time I was there, I was walking out of the school and I, of course, it's a big school. I couldn't find the parking lot. So I'm wandering around looking for the right door. And I ran into this teacher and she was a high school English teacher. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to find the parking lot. And she said, Oh, what are you here for? And I said, Oh, we're here. I'm here working with your learning coach, Brett. And I said, Have you ever worked with Brett or do you know Brett? And she says, Oh, yeah, I'm in a coaching cycle right now with him. And I just died. I was like, Oh my gosh, that just exemplifies the work that Brett has already gotten started in four or five months uh, of being a learning coach. So, welcome to the conversation. We are so excited to just learn from your experience today, Brett. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We appreciate having you, Brett. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Capital High School? Yeah. So Capital is one of four traditional high schools in the Boise School District. We also have an alternative high school in addition. Um, we serve grades 10 through 12. And so we're a 10, 12 high school with approximately 1,300 students. Uh, we have about 80 teachers. And for Idaho especially, and even in the Boise area, I feel like we're a pretty diverse school. Um, so we have a pretty wide range in regards to our student body. I have been at Capitol High School for eight years before uh, becoming a coach. I taught AVID 12 and U.S. History 11, and I was AVID coordinator at Capitol High School before I uh, was able to uh, be asked to be Capitol's learning coach. Okay, so I'm glad you just said that. I was kind of curious on how this came about. So I know, um, obviously, from, from, from Diane, and then also our district works with Caravandis really well. So I know you guys have partnered with her, too. When you guys were made that decision as a district to hire 50 coaches, um, I heard about that a while ago and was so excited for your district. What was it about that that made you want to make that jump from the classroom to coaching? I was just thinking of myself as a teacher and how I personally would like to have a coach just to kind of continue to improve and always get better. And I felt like this is a great opportunity to maybe be in that role. I had been I've been teaching for 12 years, so I feel like I have a I don't know. At this point in my career, is a it's a pretty good stepping stone to continue to polish and get better. And I, I love my building. I love Capital High School, and I love the teachers at Capital High School. And we have amazing students. And I figured if I was able to do this and be at Capital, it'd be a win-win. We worked really hard on building a culture for coaching as we started our work together in Boise. So, can you tell us a little bit about those first steps you took to kind of help teachers understand? coaching, what to expect, how to build a foundation for the work? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I was fortunate to be in the building. So that was a, a pretty natural first step. I know after they announced the position, I, I had several coworkers that were like, they could excel a little bit because it was all new, right? They're all, this is a new position. They weren't quite sure like what it was going to look like. I mean, we really didn't either. We're kind of, you know, we're constructing this as well. And so I think if it was refreshing to know that I had relationships and buy-in with people in the building. So I felt confident to be able to make those first steps. And then early on, just that first week when we were coming back to school before students came in, 
I just wanted to get touches in. And so I just made cookies. I put a capital lo logo on it, on a sticker. And then I just went around a cart and went to every single classroom and just, we had, I think we had 10 or 12 new hires as well this year. Um, so we had, I mean, that's quite a bit of new staff coming to Capitol. So I just wanted to let them know who I was, what my role was, where my office is located for those who knew me, kind of where I was at, just to kind of check that out. And so just, you know, a nice way to kind of bridge the gap there. And then in our opening meeting, um, our principal, Derek, who's an amazing administrator, uh, gave a very nice introduction to me, uh, was able to allow me to have a couple minutes just to speak whole group, just at our opening meeting. And so that was nice just to give a little blurb about coaching. And then we had, I had many more opportunities to talk more about that as the school year started to unfold. How did you go from the relationship building part where you were sharing cookies and kind of moving through the school and making, I love the idea of many touch points to launching coaching cycles. At first thing I did, I created a, like a one pager, kind of a little bit about coaching, what coaching is, what coaching is not. Um, a few ways that I could be utilized, again, emphasizing that it's uh, student centered and, you know, kind of informing of what that means. And so that was kind of an infographic that was sent out. And then at the beginning of the year, when we were all together, I had about 15 minutes to talk about my role and how to utilize me as a coach. And so I was able to field questions on the spot. And I was pre I'm pretty lucky that I was able to be very vulnerable in a sense that I might not know a lot of it yet, but we're gonna figure this out together. And so it was, it was a kind of a shared relationship. Uh, and so that part was nice to be embraced and, and teachers were willing just to kind of, you know, take it head on and see how it goes. And then moving forward, it was really, knowing in the building who would probably be willing to take take on a coach early on and who might be an amplifier. So meaning they have re really good connections within the building so we can approach them. Hopefully we have a great experience and then positive word about happens. And then I don't, I just like to call it contagious, right? Like things start picking up and uh, we get to share those success stories. And so that's kind of how we started in regards to the um, formal coaching. I think that's really cool that you talked about that vulnerability piece with the staff because one, they already did know you. So it makes it a little easier to be vulnerable with them, right? Because of those relationships. But I think one of the most important pieces of that is because coaching is new, you right off the bat were able to take that learner stance instead of an expert. And they saw that and they heard it. Um, and I know that that probably worked wonders for you as you got started. The stress off. Yeah. yeah sure. So, okay. So you have all, you had relationships with a lot of teachers before because you, uh, you know, were either on their team or you had just worked with them. Um, uh, but now that you're working with them in a different way, do you feel like that made it easier for some of them to want to partner with you? Or do you feel like sometimes I know some coaches are in the same building where they taught and it could be hard because of the relationships. It's hard for, um, some co-employees to see you in a different light now. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, I really didn't feel like there was any like awkwardness. It seemed like it was a pretty seamless and smooth transition. I feel like anytime we can make it about student learning and kind of that's like the core of it, it really takes care of the rest. And so, I don't know, I feel like we have a lot of professional relationships in the building and just knowing that we're all wanting to get better and we want students to have the best experience that they can have. Um, if that's the core of it, I feel like the rest kind of takes care of itself. I feel like it always yeah. takes care of itself when yeah. you have that at the center, right? Yeah, always. that's fantastic. 
You said a minute ago about the importance of amplifying um, successes from those early, early coaching experiences. How did you get that, cut those conversations to go across departments? Since sometimes departments can be a little bit siloed or it can be hard to, to share a broader vision throughout such a large high school. Um, I think part of it was I, I did know a lot of teachers in multiple departments. And so that was pretty nice to approach that way. Uh, the year prior, as AVID coordinator, I helped lead an AVID site team, which has a representative from every single department, as well as serve on our building leadership team. And so I had a lot of connections and relationships with a lot of different people in, in all departments. And so that was a lot easier to kind of get my foot in the door, if that makes sense. And then also yeah. having great conversations with our principal, Derek, uh, being able to think about what do you think about this department? Who might be a good person that we could approach? And who do you think might be, you know, could be a game changer or could be just want to embrace it or, you know, a good first step that might feel comfortable just kind of taking that first jump. So you hit on it again right there, Brett, talking about your admin. And I know you mentioned him before with um, during pre-service, spending some time talking about what your role would look like. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that partnership uh, with the principal in your building and how that's helped coaching? Yeah, it's it's really nice because if anytime I really want, I can approach Derek and be like, hey, I think that maybe we could, we have this whole group meeting. Can I take 10 minutes? I have three teachers in mind that I, I think that can share out their experience early on. This could be a great opportunity to build some momentum. And he's like, yeah, 100% will embed it in. And just feeling open and comfortable to have those conversations was very helpful, especially early on. We were, gosh, probably like one month into coaching. And I I was in a full cycle and mini cycle and doing some informal coaching. And I was able to take 15 minutes and have all three of those individuals, those teachers share out whole group, like what their work looked like with me and three different lenses through three different lenses. And that after that meeting, I had like five people grab me like immediately, right? Because it's in the moment and it's fresh and it's real and it's tangible. And I feel like having those opportunities to have a platform to, to share those successes and what's happening. It was, that was very helpful. And then being able to meet I say we probably have maybe every other week or so we'll have like a formal meeting, but we touch base often. I mean, in the hallways through passing periods, there's a lot of, a lot of connections. Anytime that I want to run something by him, I can just pop by his office or shoot an email and we'll schedule an appointment. So that part's, that part's nice, uh, feeling empowered to be able to, I don't know, I guess thrive in the lane that we're, we're in and trying to build some systems kind of from the ground level at Capitol. I know, Diane, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys, part of your guys' work with Brett's district has been to onboard the admin as well for them to really get a deep understanding of student-centered coaching. So I know that that's probably already paying dividends to when it comes to your relationship, Brett, um, with Derek. Yeah, I do want to, I'm glad you surfaced that because the foundation of understanding that was built amongst the principals before coaches were even hired is is what's it's a part of a piece of this, I think. Um, we started supporting principals, golly, I think it was last spring. And then over the summer is when coaches were hired. Brett, let me know if I'm off on this. Yeah, and in, then, the, in the, I think it was March mm -hmm. we were hired. And then we had our summit where we kind of got a, everybody who chose got a taste in June, teachers, yeah. administrators. And then we rolled in in the fall. Yeah. So before even the fall came, we had had three or four meetings that included principals about coaching. 
Yeah, so just the the importance of building a a, a really well um a, a, a really clear understanding, I should say, of coaching amongst the admin on behalf of the coaches, the teachers, and even the students, I think, uh, was some of the the priority that was put out there in, in Boise. That speaks to the volume too of like districts that because you know, and Diane, I know you've worked with districts where like it seems like there's four different coaching models within the same district. But I know I'm a part of one that we kind of made a, a cold break and it's like, okay, now moving forward and hire different people, we're going to be student centered with our coaching. And you're kind of able to establish that from the ground up with admin, with coaches. And I just feel like where you have worked with multiple districts, you've got to see a difference in that when it's okay, we're all going to be bought into this together versus, you know, we're hit and miss across the district. Yes, definitely. It's definitely varies quite dramatically from system to system in terms of building a shared vision and a shared understanding of how to execute on that vision. So Brett, I'm curious because the, the question we always get is about how to coach in unknown content areas. And so I got to observe you coaching a AP physics teacher. And I know from my conversation in the hallway, you're coaching an English teacher. And I know your background is avid. And um, there's 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 a fair, I think it comes from a, a lot of fear of trying to coach outside of um, a known subject area, specifically for high school and even middle school coaches, even elementary sometimes. What advice do you have for coaches on that? Yeah, I, I, the first piece of advice, I was nervous. That's why I, I partnered with Benjamin because I knew him pretty well. And I knew this would be a safe space for me to explore and try things out and see how it goes. I feel like the, a, a good first step is maybe to start with a win, I guess, uh, be able to maybe have a partnership with someone you feel pretty comfortable with so you can be vulnerable and learn uh, throughout the entire process where, you know, it's a mutual learning. You're hopefully helping students and the teacher and then you're helping yourself uh, along the way. And so that was, I think that's the biggest piece of advice. And honestly, to keep doing it, I feel like the best coaching comes out outside of my content area. I've done a couple that I have a social studies background as well. And I had to like shut my mouth a couple of times, like, nope, you got to listen, ask better questions and let the teacher own that process and kind of take a step back. And like, I've been in a dual credit French, dual credit Spanish, uh, fundamentals of health professions. And so all these different contents that are outside my wheelhouse, it really makes me listen, ask questions, ensure that the teacher has a pretty clear understanding of the target or the success criteria that they're after. And then we're able to kind of take a step back and ensure that the instructions align to make sure that students are learning what their that target really is. And so I think I'm more intentional, I guess. And you have to ask a lot more questions to make sure we're on the same page. I've said it on here many times before, but yeah, my best coaching comes when it's something that I, I have to do a lot of learning, you know, and, and being, it's, it just makes it so much more authentic. And like you talked about with the questioning, they're not questions because you're like, Oh, I'm a coach. I should ask a question. It's a question because you really are wanting to know yourself. And that just makes that partnership so much more real and authentic. And that is when ultimately more student learning is going to take place because of that. Totally. And to piggyback off that, I feel like 
there's so many great teachers in the building. Like I'm genuinely curious about like what learning is happening in that classroom. And so it's exciting that we get to be a learner in that process as well. And, you know, I just keep, keep improving, which is, which is fun. I'm hearing some themes, Brandon. I'm hearing relationships, culture for coaching, principal support, and now curiosity and kind of that willing to be vulnerable, willingness to be vulnerable. Um, I want to just mention also, because Brandon, you mentioned a minute ago that the work with Caravandis. So I just want to clarify a little bit about that and make a connection there because Caravandis is also partnering with Boise Public Schools on working around um, clarity for learning. And so she's supporting this idea of how to have clear learning intentions and success criteria and how to have kids um, self-assessing and owning, being having being strong owners of their own learning process and such. And so we're doing, um, we're really tapping into that. There's a, there's a big emphasis with clarity work around creating models of success or mastery experiences. And that's a big part of their, of the way learning is viewed. So we're doing, um, we're just kicking off. It just started recently, but some port coaching portfolios in Boise and we're co-constructing this. We do not have a a one pager that says everything that must be in your portfolio. Um, coaches, some coaches would have liked that. I'm just going to say, because this is a lot looser than that. And what we're doing is we're just saying, collect models of success over this year and have some qualitative and some quantitative. And you decide what those are going to be. So Brett, what are you so far thinking about would go into your portfolio as models of success? Oh, wow. There's so many examples that could be, that could be dropped in. Um, I mean, the results-based coaching tool, just from a snapshot, um, it could be honestly an image of interaction in the classroom, students engaging in the process. That could be this podcast. I can throw a little link in there to have access to that. Um, if we're interviewing students, is that that's part of what the teacher's wanting to do, that could be part of the work. Yeah, any of the logs that we use along the way, um, any of that documentation that we're, we're gathering. It could be emails back and forth, just a quick idea. And, you know, that happens organically. I, and I wonder even, even like a reflection or a log, like if you're just kind of debriefing, I think of like the status of the faculty where you're listing out who you're working with and kind of a little blurb of where you're at with each person, just a little update that anything like that could be included as well. Those are just a few things on the top of my head. I'm sure there's more. Is the purpose of the portfolio for you to grow in your craft and reflect on that? Or is this going to be connected like to your, the way that you're evaluated at the end of the year or during the year or however that's going to work? My understanding is that it's not part of the evaluation, but more of a kind of a celebration of the journey. Um, so kind of doc, like, so, you know, it's, it's very easy to forget all the great things that are happening. And so we have a place to look back and, you know, especially we're on the ground floor and to celebrate those, those, those wins so we can keep moving forward as we're building these systems, I feel. And so I think, yeah, just keeping track. It's also nice to have it for future years to look back and reference. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's, absolutely. The purpose of it. that's really exciting. I think that's a really neat idea. Yeah. I can't wait to see how they turn out because we are not really giving parameters. So I'm yeah. just thinking the creativity is going to be fascinating to see how, we just pretty much are saying put together some of these things together into something and let's see what they, and so we're going to re keep revisiting it each time we work together, but yeah. So Diane, is that something that 
that you and your team have kind of like prompted them with to kind of challenge them? Or is it something that just kind of happened organically? I think it really connects to the the clarity work. I think it's specifically because it is a, it is such an important method to be using. We want teachers to be collecting models of success, so coaches can be also. So it just felt like the right fit for this specific project, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the first place we try this and we end up doing it in other places as well. I think that's really neat, especially like the fact that you said part of this has to do with the partnership with Kara too. I've had so many conversations with her about how can we get teachers and students to start on that upward spiral when it comes to self-efficacy. And I mean, what a great way for that to happen amongst the coaches, you know, and even if that's just the starting point of where it goes from there, that's, it's yeah. a really neat idea. Yeah. So Brett, after being in the classroom for 11 years as a teacher and now taking on um, this challenge in this different role, what would you say has been your favorite part of making this transition? My favorite part has been being able to get in a wide range of classrooms and see the amazing work that's happening with student learning at Capitol High School. I feel like, especially in a large high school where we have over 80 teachers, I was very familiar with my department. So the 10 people we work with kind of closely, or even half of that department, if we have the same class that we're teaching, but we really forget, like we get in tunnel vision and we don't really realize the amazing things that are happening school-wide and having the ability to work with teachers across all content areas and see the amazing work that's being had and how we can even tweak that and continue to polish and continue to be better. It has been exciting. And honestly, it's actually seen the results too. Um, I just, one of, one of the experiences early on that I, ha I have in mind was working with our Spanish four teacher, which is a dual credit class. And he wanted to do a mini cycle on basically students are reading engaging text in Spanish. And we're trying to, we're just brainstorming and trying to figure out, we were basically using the, the instrument he used as an assessment, more of like a, as a formative tool to kind of track progress. Then we had to think about, well, how are we gonna prove that students have got it? And so that brainstorming session where basically he's like, well, maybe we can re have him rewrite the story or create an alternate ending. And that would show comprehension and reading, for example. And it, it just went really well. And so it was exciting to see like we, we pivoted, did something pretty, pretty different, but the learning was amplified. And so that seeing those wins and seeing the excitement across the board was really fun. I love that your response about that still goes back to what you said wins. I know what you mean by that is student learning and to hear of like all the, the great things, because like where there are challenges in this job, especially when you're first starting, there's also like in the way that we look at it, because we love this, like there's perks too. And what you just said is one of those perks, like getting to see the successes in students um, from the beginning of the time that you are partnering in that classroom to the end is super exciting. Um, and I love that that's something that you've already latched onto as, as a perk of this new job. So that's really cool. Thank you. It was, it was nice to see that because at first I was a little nervous because the first few weeks, you know, all that excitement's there and like, I'm not in the classroom for the first time and I'm looking around like, oh my gosh, did I make the right choice? You know, like all this energy, like I miss my room and everybody else is engaging these first day activities. I'm not part of that. But then, you know, very quickly things got settled and that, you know, I was able to fulfill that in a completely different way, which was awesome. That's great yeah. to hear. As you think about second semester, do you have any new thoughts on goals or new stretches for yourself? 
Yeah, I, I really been, I was surprised how many teachers, you know, 60% of our day or our time we want, you know, connected with cycle work and like 40% outside of cycle work. And I was shocked how easy for, for capital, I guess, or the, the building we're in, like cycles came easier than like informal coaching for some crazy reason. And so my goal for second semester is to really, I mean, keep that. I mean, I already, we have people kind of filling in already in quarter three. I just, I have some plans already in place. Uh, we, we are in a CLC model where we're looking kind of like a, it's a PLC. It basically is what it is. And I've been able to work with some teachers thinking about quarter three. And so we're doing some planning up front and it'll turn into some formal coaching in quarter three. So a lot of that's kind of locked in, but I have this space where we can do some really fun things and trying to tap into that. And this is all new. So how do we showcase the amazing thing, or the amazing ways you can utilize a coach in the classroom? And so trying to be thinking that way. Um, and I'm wondering, we I had a pretty, I have a pretty good relationship with our AP research and AP capstone teacher. And we did some fun stuff this semester where small groups of students basically record themselves giving their uh, multimedia presentations. And then I basically was coaching students in my office and they were dissecting film. And I was basically asking them questions where they feel like they could grow. And then they were revising and they came in during lunch or after school or during their break. And just small things like that, or even popping into her classroom when she was assessing, being able to run the timer and taking all that off her, off her load so she can focus solely on assessment. Like those little things can be amplified and can be a huge game changer. And they're simple, easy things that I can do to help enhance student learning. And so really, I think it's another end to get with more teachers who might be not wanting to do cycles yet, but that's a, those are quick ways to kind of build some, continue to build momentum. That's what I was thinking is what, what great ways to build even deeper relationships with teachers, right? By sure. showing them that you're willing, you're willing to do the dirty work, you know, to, to deepen that relationship for their students. And I think we got to also acknowledge that not often do you hear a high school coach in his first semester saying it, it was easy to get coaching cycles going. Do not underestimate that whatever it is, the magic that you brought to the table, I'm guessing most of it was learning stance and relationships and, and capability that you carry with you. But we don't hear that every day, you know, so just really settle into that and be super proud of yourself. That, that you've done so much so quickly. Thank you, I appreciate that. Thanks so much for this interview. It was really fun to hear from you and to truly celebrate the work that Boise Public Schools has underway. I have a feeling I'll be just celebrating a lot of the work happening in the district over the next you know stretch of time. So we're grateful that you are the first voice we were able to put out there in the universe around this partnership. I feel like I have been hearing about things going on in Idaho for a while um, from Diane and, and from Kerrigs. This partnership started, you know, before you realized that you, this was going to be a part of you, you know, so it's really cool to get to have this conversation with you now, um, now that it's up and running and already getting to hear about the successes. And um, yeah, I'm truly excited for you guys and, and the entire community in Boise. So thank you again, Brett. And we really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, is brought to you by Diane Sweeney Consulting. For more information, visit dianesweeney.com. Music is brought to you by Clemency. You can check them out at clemencyonline.com. There you can find more information on how to download their music. 
Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast where podcasts are found and follow us on Twitter at SC Coaching Pod.